Yeah, I think we can get started yeah. uh, now. I, I think about it, sorry, it takes like ten minutes for people to actually hop into these spaces. So sorry for the people who actually come on time. I guess uh, set your alarm for twelve ten. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, let, let's do just a quick intro. This is the uh, Thorchain Weekly Developer Update, March eighteenth, two thousand twenty two. I'm familiar Cal from Nine Realms. Uh, I'm Chad Barreford, one of the uh, core devs in the project. And I'm Chad Thoreau, uh, member of the community, and help out with uh, ThorSwap education. Cool. So, uh, Chad, I guess the first thing people are going to want to hear is uh, the, the bug today, just the explanation of it and what's being done to fix it. It looks like blocks are already being uh, accepted to the chain. So, uh, yeah. What, what's happening with the bug today? Yeah, so the, effectively, there was a bug within synthetics that in some edge case scenario, if someone made a certain kind of swap in a certain kind of way, it would cause the basically the, the Thornton software to crash. And if the, if the crashes, then it can't like you know finish determining what's going to be in this block. And so it's not able to produce a block, right? And so all the nodes, you know, at the same exact you know second, more or less, uh, came across this 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 bug in the code. They all crashed simultaneously, and they weren't able to produce more blocks because of it. And so all that really needed to happen was it's really like a, like a two or three line change. It's quite simple. Uh, and we just put in the code and then release the thing to the nodes. Nodes pull it in, and then it's able to produce that block just fine. So in the end, it was it's a very simple and and you know thing, but it had a serious consequence to it in the sense that the the chain kind of. Uh, paused from producing new blocks for uh, a couple hours, whatever the, the few hours, whatever the number was. Um, but yeah, but at no point where there like you know any funds that you know potentially a loss or nobody. I think there was a thing going on on Twitter earlier about uh, the team knew about it or a week ago and didn't do anything or something like this, which is complete horseshit. Um, and so it, it ended up just being a bug just popped out of nowhere. And like, and this bug has been in the code probably since like about when mainnet. Uh, when multi-chain launched, like since the very, very, very beginning. And so it's been through all those audits and code reviews by, uh, you know, multiple teams. And it's been through all that Thor well, uh, games thing we did while like, in the other testing that Nine Realms did as well. Like it went through, got through all of those rounds of uh, of testing and verification. And, and, and we just ran into it today randomly. Um, yeah. And so the... This small bug fixed, patched it, more blocks. Get on with it. Simple as that. So right now, uh, trading is still halted, correct? So, uh, so now that blocks are being produced, then uh, so now what happens? So the yeah. the pending transactions have to be cleared. Yeah. So basically, um, we're just waiting for Bifrost to kind of catch back up to the tip of their individual uh, chains. Uh, and so I'm just kind of—I really have it on my screen right now. I'm just watching the uh, the graphs and just waiting for Bifrost to get caught up, which should happen over the next few hours. I'm hoping. And then once it's all caught up, then we can uh, enable trading again and LP actions and all this kind of stuff, and and uh, carry on. Uh, maybe it'd be good to kind of highlight uh, just for people that are newer, like what would have kicked in if funds were at risk, um, just to kind of emphasize how, you know, this doesn't really have anything to do with that. Uh, like, you know, if, if actual funds were to have been at risk of being lost, then all these other mechanisms would have kicked in. So maybe if you could just like give a little overview of that. 
Yeah, I mean, if funds were at risk and this bug produced some case or scenario where funds were like lost or there's some sort of miss of accounting of some shape or form, then the network would have been able to detect that immediately and then, uh, or nearly immediately, like within, um, I don't know, maybe 30 seconds or so, and then would have paused, its, the network would have paused itself uh, on purpose, autonomously, just to say, oh, there's something going awry, let's just, let's just kick it off now, wait for humans to get online and to, you know, and analyze what's happening and what blah, 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 what, what, what could have happened and all that kind of stuff. And so before funds are even left the network, the network would have paused itself, stopping from being able to send those funds that were about to leave the network. Uh, and so no funds would have been lost if it's in, the, in the hypothetical scenario that we're talking about here. Um, we would have like it had to do a little bit of a software change to a patch whatever bug that was, and, and B maybe cancel that outbound transaction because it's you know some it's shouldn't be sent out or or whatever case and scenario we would have been. But in that in that case, it would have been it would have been fine as well, to be honest. Right. Yeah. That that's obviously great to hear. Like you know that those mechanisms um, are in place, and I also think it's good to emphasize on that is how you know uh, even with today's halt or with that hypothetical halt you just described, like. These things are happening autonomously um, and then being resumed uh, through the nodes all adopting an update. So it's not like there's it's not like you're being woken up in your sleep with like the master key to Thorchain or something like that. <laughs> like this stuff is happening <laughs> very autonomously, very like already in such a uh, decentralized manner, which uh, really shows like the maturity of, of where the network is. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Cool. Uh, anything else on this uh, on this bug or? Yeah. So I think people probably have the question when uh, trading will be resumed. Yeah. Um, probably in a couple hours. I'm, I'm going to guess. I don't really actually know. I think we all are just sitting here waiting for 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 Bifrost to get cut up, which it's working on that right now. Um, so whenever that happens, that's when we can do it. Which it should be. It shouldn't be that long. I'm going to guess it. Two hours. Awesome. Right. And if you do have a swap, like, you know, currently pending, something like that, and you're uh, a little worried, all that, just hang tight. Uh, you know, everything's going to get cleared out in that in that time. Yeah. So. Either the swap will go through and it'll give you the trade that you want, or it'll it hit the uh, halt the uh, trading thing and uh, will cause you to get a refund. Right. So no matter, yeah, basically, long story short, uh, don't worry. Yeah, don't. <laughs> You're going to be good either, very either soon. Way, you're going to get your funds back. Don't worry about that. Right. Good to clarify. Cool. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just impressed by like the response. I basically just like woke up, saw your tweet and was like, oh, seems like everything's already pretty much fixed, <laughs> which is uh, really, really cool to see just like how many teams and people and uh, and the code itself is like, you know, looking out for situations like this and having such a professional and prompt uh, re response to to sort things out. So it's really cool to see it in action. Honestly, it just, it, it like some people might see this as negative, but it, honestly, it's like just so, uh, it, it's really like great to see it like all work uh, so seamlessly uh, in, in a real situation. Yeah. I, I mean, it, 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 one thing we've kind of proven as a, as a team is that, you know, we're, we're professionals and we know what we're doing and when something goes awry, we get it fixed and then we move on and it's not a big deal. 
Awesome. Uh, one other question is uh, native rune trading enabled right now? Since, since blocks are being pr uh, produced, uh, does that mean you could send and receive native rune right now? Yeah, native rune, can, you can transfer that back and forth all day long if you want to. Cool. Yeah, that's a good point. Wasn't thinking that. Yeah. Uh, yeah so let's um, talk. Let's talk about the hard form because I know that was even discussed um, earlier in the early hours when this was going down. I saw some messages saying, "Oh, the hard fork might be just pushed uh, while the network is halted, anyways, uh, rather than because it's planned to be halted briefly for the hard fork in a few days." But my understanding is that obviously did not end up happening. So uh, when maybe like a explanation just for for people that maybe didn't hear last week, but uh, why the hard fork and when the hard fork? <laughs> yeah, so so the hard fork is kind of the interesting thing for us because um, most Cosmos projects do hard forks all the time, more or less, because that's how they update their software. That's how they make a bunch of fixes and, and feature improvements and that kind of stuff. But we don't do that on this project. We actually have an entire different mechanism, which is a lot more um, flexible uh, and allows us to be able to move a lot faster and much more efficiently and have a much quicker dev cycle, which is great. So it allows us to make bug fixes faster and, and get out new features quicker than other projects would typically be able to do so. But in this particular case, with this particular change that's being made, it's a change not to our application, but the Thor chain kind of logic. It's a, it's, it's a change to un, something underneath that, like something more more kind of foundational, which is Cosmos itself. And so in order to do that, all the nodes have to upgrade simultaneously for that to, to operate function correctly. And so this is our first time we've ever done this before as a, as a project. And we never did that on single-chain ChaosNet, and we never did that on multi-chain ChaosNet until this uh, coming um, uh, hard fork. So the reason why we're doing this is because Cosmos is deciding to, you know, no longer support the version that we're currently on, which means it's not going to get any patches or updates or anything in the future that could be of, of significant value. So we want to make sure we're staying current with the rest of the Cosmos space and, and kind of moving with them rather than, you know, getting further away from them. And so uh, this hard fork was originally planned to be on Monday, uh, 1900 uh, UTC time. Um, and I don't really know if it's going to be the same time still, or if it, may, it might be delayed a day. Uh, I'm not quite sure at this time, given everything that's happened today. So we're going to wait for everything to get kind of healthy again today and, and get trading on and everything to be kind of back and ready again. Um, and then um, we can then, as a team, discuss we want to keep that time or not. Part of the issue is that the, the scheduling was based upon a block height. And because we didn't produce blocks for, you know, what, what was it, four hours or what the number was, um, that that means that, that instead of being 1900, it's going to be 1900 plus four because we've just delayed, you know, four hours of block production. So we might uh, say we're going to keep the 1900 and say, all right, we're going to just gonna pull back the block time. So we release another update that sets all the nodes to pause at a specific block height, uh, planned plan block height. Or it might just say, okay, we'll just push it back 12 hours, or push it back 24 hours or some number. Well, we'll figure out, I think the team has to get together and kind of discuss the pros and cons of different approaches and we'll kind of uh, announce something to the team probably in the next, you know, 12 hours or so, I'm assuming. Cool, and then when that does uh, happen, it should just be probably maybe similar amount of time uh, of downtime, maybe a few hours or, or, or six hours, something like that. Yeah. It, it depends on how smoothly it goes and how many node operators show up on time, so to speak, because every node operator has to, has to 
be online at the same you know uh, time more or less. And so it all depends upon a, a few different things. Uh, if everything goes as smoothly as I would like it to go, uh, it'll probably be you know two two to four hours or so. If things get a little bit hairy or things don't go so smoothly for some reason or cause, then obviously it can be longer than that. Do you have any insight on how it's gone with the testing? Um, like I, I believe it was going to happen on testnet first, which I think definitely happened. But then stagenet, I think, was attempted. I don't know if was was that reattempted. Yeah. So um, so testnet went very smoothly. That was fine. No, no issues there. And then we had a problem with stagenet just because. And the reason why that ended up being it took it was a very kind of a hard bug to find, and it took a team like a day or two to find it. But it ended up just being because StageNet is like on so the whole network right now is on version eighty one, and version eighty two was going to be the hard fork. But StageNet because it's just made its own, it has its own kind of life path to some degree. It's on version like eighty seven because it needed to make a bunch of different changes just just to StageNet alone. And so when we try to release version eighty two of this fork, uh, of this hard fork, and StageNet was on 87, the network has these protections in place to say like, oh, we're not gonna run on version 87 and then go down to version 82. Like once you go up a version, you never go back down one. And so that little kind of confusing thing caused StageNet to get into a a kind of a a difficult state, which is only there just because StageNet is StageNet and it kind of has its own, um, it's more, uh, fly by night kind of uh, development in some sense because it's it's a testing ground it's a you know sandbox to some degree and so we won't have that issue at all on on KSNet for sure and so I, I'm feeling quite confident about it I'm actually in terms of the actual upgrade process I'm quite confident about it the thing that I'm most concerned about within um, this hard fork is just like node operators um, either don't show up to do this task because they forgot about it or they just weren't paying attention or something of this nature. And we only need about two thirds of them to, to, to participate for this to work. Uh, or they, you know, something goes wrong and they don't follow instructions well, or you know, something like this. Um, I'm feeling quite confident about the actual process itself being uh, pretty pretty straightforward and solid. And we've made that process as, as simple as possible for, for node operators. So they don't, the, the less steps they need to take, the less likely that there's a step they do incorrectly. And it sounds like worst case, like assuming at least two thirds can do it correctly, it would things would resume right. and it would just they they would just be out of the loop for that period of time. They would obviously probably have uh, I don't know if they get slashed or just miss out on their rewards. But um, yeah, they would start yeah. start taking on slashes at that point, most likely because got the, it. But everything, sorry, yeah, they said because at that point the network has moved on to a. a um, a new version of it uh, of the Cosmos SDK, and that they have not, and so they're going to be getting to a, a weird state. Got it. Yeah, nope, that sounds good. Um, yeah, I would imagine uh, at least two thirds should uh, have their stuff together. So that seems unlikely. Um, yeah. yeah, cool. And uh, one thing to clarify is that there's no action any users, LPs, or anyone uh, needs to make besides the node operators. This is just uh, basically a version update for the Cosmos SDK running in the background. Right. So th- there's nothing that anyone needs to do that's uh, LPing and you know funds will maintain security this entire time. There's, there's nothing that anyone that's participating in the network uh, needs to do. Correct. It's just going to be a little bit of downtime. Yeah, nothing you need to do other than the node operators. Um, I mean, if you can refrain from swapping while the network is 
you know, hard forking, that would be a nice thing to do, I suppose. <laughs> but the, there'll be already like uh, um, things underway that, that the UIs won't allow you to, to swap in this kind of stuff while that's all transpiring. And is this currently planned for Monday still? Or is this being pushed back now? Uh, the, the plan right now is, is still Monday. There hasn't been any determination to, to, to delay it. Um, but I think there's going to be a kind of a meeting later today that the, that the um, devs will, core devs will have to have a discussion about whether we want to delay it or not. And it's up to, we'll, we'll come out with a, our kind of viewpoint later in the day, I think. Cool. And it sounds like even if that was pushed back, it's, you know, maybe a day or something, nothing uh, dramatically different because that ties into something that I'm sure everyone listening in is probably very excited about, which is the Terra launch, um, so, which kind of this hard fork is the, the last uh, mm -hmm. thing to sign off on before that. So, um, yeah, any thoughts on like, uh, I, I, I know we don't have an exact date yet, but just like from hard fork success to Terra launch, like maybe, you know, what are, what is kind of the timeline of what has to go down between, between that? Yeah. Once the hard fork, hard fork happens and everything is looking, you know, smooth and look, everything's okay and all that kind of stuff. Um, then launching Terra should be as simple as just a, a software update that, that knows just pulled down. So, um, it'll probably be just like a, f a couple days, a few days before we see the terror launch after the hard fork is done. So it might be fair to estimate like late next week. Yeah, if everything goes smooth. Yeah, if everything goes smooth, then yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's that's a reasonable uh, um, guess. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, super excited. I'm super excited. <laughs> this is going to be huge. I think this is like this is going to have this. In, uh, Lots of like trade volumes going to come into this thing. Lots of more added liquidity into the network, and you know all that kind of stuff. It's, it's going to be to be really positive for the network, for sure. And uh, things have been just trending in that direction already in terms of uh, volume and how much uh, incentives there are for LPs right now. It's going to be a really great time to start a Luna and UST pool. Yeah, probably the LP incentives will probably come down a bit once Terra's launched because when Terra launches, there's going to be a bunch of ad liquidities, which is going to change that incentive pendulum a little bit. But until that happens, LPs are just going to, you know, looking like right. they're just cleaning up like crazy here. Yeah, but now's the perfect time to start it. Now, while APYs are up above, I, I think the average is above 30% right now. I think I saw like 32% the other day. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the stable coins are like around like 80% and even like BNBs at like 50 something percent, I think. And like, it's crazy how, how, how high they've become. You know? And that's partially because, like, by the way, just because the room price has been doing so well lately, like it's been going up, 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 right? Um, that it requires less room in the network and in the, in the pools to secure the Bitcoin and the Ethereum and all those various assets. And so the incentive pendulum means that because there's less room in the pools, it's trying to push more value towards the pools. Like, Hey, there's, there's space for, you know, liquidity in the pool. Like add some more, here's some more like, you know, value uh, incentives to do so. So it's largely because the room price has been performing so well that it just, the network kind of has been, ripping rune out of the pools because you don't need as much anymore. And all of a sudden they kind of kicks in and just says, Ooh, here's massive rewards to you. Come, come, come add some more room to the system. 
Yeah, and that ties uh, nicely into uh, the other huge recent launch of Synths, which we're only, what, uh, nine days into and seeing crazy utilization. Um, I think it's something like one-third of all volume is currently Synths, um, and that top-line uh, volume has increased with that, of course. Yeah. Uh, and that's part of what's, that's part of what's boosting this uh, pool APY um, by so much. So, yeah... Um, any thoughts on just how synths are going? I mean, I think we're all kind of blown away with the with the success of it. Like, uh, you know, just congrats to the core team for being so right about this, uh, even if uh, not everyone necessarily understood the implications. Like, wow, I mean, it's what we're seeing so far is tremendous, really. Yeah, so the story behind synths is kind of a fascinating one, and that is that um, if you had looked at the pools, uh, the APYs or the, the like the trade volumes and all these things, relative uh before since it was launched that like the top four of the five pools were like bep2 pools right and that's not because like you know bep2 is the most amazing thing in the world whatever it's because i mean even the ethereum bep2 and the and the uh, bitcoin bep2 were outperforming their layer one counterparts right and that's largely because the the Binance block time is like 300 milliseconds, like super, super fast uh, block times. And so that has allowed for more arbitrage, more transactions, more all this kind of stuff. Whereas on the Bitcoin, it's like it only has like, you know, 10 minute um, block times. And so the number of transactions that can actually flow through there is you know quite limited. And so we felt pretty strongly that the synthetics will kind of uh, open up a lot of um, trade volume just naturally just by you know having that there because that gives every asset and every chain you know near instant you know block times which is about five five point six or five point nine seconds so like it's it, it was kind of a, a clear thing from the beginning before we even launched mobile chain KSN, which since we're already written to the code at that point that it was going to be very valuable to the to the to the community and we just didn't launch since at that time just because we didn't want to put too much on the plate on day one we wanted to kind of be a bit more um, um, narrow scoped in how we roll things out. And it just took us this long to get there because we were so focused on, you know, scalability, uh, reliability, all these kinds of things. And so when we enabled synthetics the other day to, to have a max synth of 5% the asset depth, which is approximately 2.5% the total liquidity of the, of the pools, you're only talking about a few million dollars here. It's like, I think it's like, uh, 4 million or some number like this, whatever it is. And and so it's really not a lot of money in terms of like dollar value, uh, but yet it's doing $20 million of trade volume a day, which is like, you know, a third or a fourth, whatever the number is, of uh, the trade volume of the network, which is like pretty kind of crazy to think about. And it's only at a 5% cap. So when we, at some point, we'll uh, probably bump that up, I think, uh, and increase that cap to, you know, 10% maybe or something like this. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens at that point as well. You know, it's, it's largely been a huge success in terms of proving that, that since our, our one and in demand uh, item, but it also keeps the, um, the pools much more closely to their, to their actual market price. I mean, if you look at all the stable coins right now, they are all exactly on to like $1 or some are 0. 0.003 or something like this, like three, decimal, four decimal places out. But it's, it's, it's really doing this job that's designed to do quite effectively. And it's been good, really happy to see that finally kind of come to fruition after months of planning. 
Yeah, I think one of the really cool points, there was um, somebody tweeted out, um, sorry, I don't remember your name, um, a graph they put together, I believe with Flipside Crypto, um, kind of like showing the utilization per asset, which was really interesting because, um, yeah, like the Bitcoin uh, synth, uh, like volume was way higher than native, which makes sense because with Bitcoin, you're you're definitely like more uh, likely to want to avoid the slow, um, slow transaction times and stuff like that. But um, that was really cool to see, like just how much since we're outweighing the L1 um, in particular assets. Uh, I thought that was like a pretty key point. Yeah, I've seen uh, Ethereum volume is way up, uh, and I think that's that's one of the biggest use cases right there. Is just getting out of those layer one fees, and we all know how expensive Ethereum transactions are. And I think uh, you know people that are that are trying to trade Ethereum on Thorchain are pretty happy with the uh, the launch of the synths, especially being able to avoid those all those uh, fees. Uh, it looks like volume is just way up on on ETH in the past week. Yeah, and it should only increase, as, as Chad was just mentioning, we're only at 5% utilization. Hopefully we see that increase, you know, uh, in a safe manner over time. And then plus, you know, at some time uh, with these being able to go out via IBC in the future, uh, that's a huge potential use case for synths. Um, so we'll... I think we'll only see this this pattern increase. Plus, like how many how many people have even had time to set up trading bots and stuff like that? Like we're only nine days live at at the moment. So, um, yeah, just really impressed with the synth usage so so quickly. One one thing to uh, to, to to tweak at there is that um, the team talked about the idea of using synthetics as uh, an I, ICS twenty asset, meaning you can beam it over IBC. Uh, and, and they kind of determined that, that we probably don't want to do that. Uh, well, a different asset for that purpose, which I'll come back to in a second. But the synthetics purpose is really primarily more than any other reason is there to arbitrage the pools. They give arbitrage to empower the arbitrage bots out there um, to you know do what they do and earn their income and and, and provide a service for the for the network itself. Um, but we don't want to go too crazy and trying to like try to find alternative purposes for these synths because we want to keep them the, the percentage of them being used for arbitrage bots pretty as, as focused as possible. Instead of there's actually another thing that we've been talking about as part of Forfi, which will come out uh, soon, I guess, the documentation, which, which we're now rewriting to you in a more formal structure. Um, it's something we call derived assets. And derived assets is similar to, I mean, it is a synthetic, it's a type of synthetic asset. And so it just has a different backing or different collateral that, that maintains its value. And so this derived asset, um, we can mint, you know, a billion dollars of it and, and be perfectly fine. Like it, it has no uh, economic risk to it, uh, is not my opinion. Um, and so like we can just have people mint, you know, Thor BDC all day and then beam that over IDC to osmosis to, you know, um, or some other, uh, I, I, um, IBC enabled ch chain to do some of the purpose of that they want to do. Um, but synthetics will probably stay as a native asset on the network and not go outside of that. Just to keep them focused on uh, arbitrage in the pools. Yeah. Th thank you for clarifying that. That's uh, the first I had heard of, of, of that change, but um, that actually sounds even better because yeah, one concern I had had was, you know, with the, with the synth utilization cap, like, can we really get a, Oops, my audio cut out there. Can you hear me okay? 
Yeah, you cut off oh, for a second. Yeah, there, right? suddenly yeah. I was muted. Um, yeah, I was just saying. Um, yeah, like I, like you know, th- there could be such a demand for these uh, synthetic assets on on IBC that I always have been wondering, like, will the pool depth kind of be able to keep up? With that demand, so this actually sounds like an even better solution uh, and achieving the same the same goal that we've uh, kind of been looking forward to, uh, nonetheless, just in a slightly different mechanism, similar to how like we thought Thorfi would be kind of based on synths. But um, yeah, these derived assets sound like they'll be effectively the same thing, just uh, technically like the the backing is not exactly the same. Yeah, we we don't want to go hog wild with synthetics too much. We want to keep them focused. Uh, and you can see with even just $3 million worth of four, whatever the hell the number is, $4 million, I can't remember the number, but the $4 million worth of synthetics can do so much good and produce so much yield for the network, as, as counterintuitive as that might sound. But these kind of derived assets, these BDC, this Thor.BDC, for example, um, all, all of that is, 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 is you know, burning room to acquire that thing. So as we can, we can mint as much as we want of that, you know, and, and beam it to osmosis and, and do whatever we want. And so it, and all the store BDCs are just reducing the supply of rune as long the way, right? Similar to, you know, Luna UST does. Um, so whether it be, you know, Thor USD, Thor BDC, Thor F, Thor Luna, whatever, uh, all of those things are just driving more and more value to the rune asset by reducing its circulating supply. You're getting me really excited with us. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, amazing. And then I would imagine that has, um, like, because way back, you know, with uh, the thought of yield bearing sense and that going IBC, this kind of sounds like it could have some implications there too, because now the derived asset will be the IBC asset, which is also the Thor savings asset. So I imagine there's right. kind of some uh, really interesting composability that could unfold out of that. Yo, this, this is gonna be some very fascinating composability because, uh, in theory, we we could actually not only beam out the store BDC over IBC, but also could be done over any EVM chain, right? Because we we're we're multi-chain ourselves. We already integrate with Ethereum, and we can add Avalanche and, and FTM and other things in this space. And so, uh, we could even take it even one step further than that. And say that if you put take it from Thor BDC, lock it up in the Thor savings, get a you know twenty percent yield on it or whatever the hell the number is, uh, and then get you know an asset that represents that, then you can beam that thing onto other chains, to IBC, into Ethereum, and other EVM chains. And so now you have not only do you have a, 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 a synthetic Bitcoin on other chains, but it's a yield bearing synthetic Bitcoin on other chains. That you, then you can do even more you know degen things if you if you're a degen type. Uh, it's it would be pretty empowering. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Yeah, wow, that's that's going to be huge, massive. Um, you kind of so on this train of thought. Um, yeah, you mentioned the the Thorfi uh, doc, which you know got a bit memed by the by the community. Um, I'm I'm sure people kind of want to know like uh, when when do we expect this to be this design to be more broadly released um and maybe just to cl- clarify like how you know it was just intended to be um reviewed by a small group for now just to kind of put the finishing touches but um yeah yeah we wanted like a small group to to review it first just to give us some feedback and then uh understand uh, what they like about it, what they don't like about it, um, understand what they found to be confusing to comprehend and things that were easy to comprehend and to help us to know what are the, the bits of the of the kind of phrasing of the doc that 
would be need some kind of uh, smoothing out, just so that when we release to the, the larger public, that it's it doesn't cause confusion day one. I mean, I'm sure it will to some degree because it is a confusing thing and it is a complex thing. So, but at least do our best to to convey it as cleanly and as smoothly as possible. And so that's why we have multiple videos coming out. Some I've actually made a video myself that will we'll probably be released at some point. Um, Grassroots Ripto has got a video coming out. Uh, we're working on a more formalized structure of the um, of the paper as well, like an actual white paper of this design. Um, and then we also have this uh, GitLab issue that is more, kind of more um, easier to read, uh, shorter, kind of more TLDR, less you know details of math and this kind of stuff. Um, and then. Um, there's also being work done by uh, Orion and some other people to put together some like simulators that you can kind of play with the numbers and play with the these simulators to kind of get your hands on it and kind of test out what happens if I do this and what happens if I do that. It kind of helps you to kind of deepen your understanding of the system, but also maybe try to put it through some some economic stress, st stresses and to see if there's some situation you can come up with that uh, causes it to be in some wacky state or something like this. Um, we haven't been able to find any of those quite yet, but, you know, I guess remain open-minded to it. Um, yeah, and everybody that has seen it, with the exception of one individual, has kind of, uh, has become big, very bullish and very big on it. And that one individual, um, I haven't had the time to actually sit down and talk with that individual and kind of walk him through some things. And I'm looking forward to that, which I think is going to happen on Monday or Tuesday. Looking forward to that to help, to kind of uh, help him understand some concepts, but um yes and when's it gonna come out um i don't really know to be honest with you uh, i'm hoping like a, a week or two but i keep on saying that because it's it doesn't feel like it's that far away uh but we're getting there close uh, I'm, i've been excited about this for months and i haven't really been able to talk about it with the community and so i'm actually happy for everybody to see it so we can actually start uh diving into it and people can understand the significance of what this does Cool. Yeah. Th th thanks for that info, Chad. And uh, I'm sure people have a lot of questions about Thorfoss. We can open up to questions in a little bit. Uh, I see some people have requests already. Just just stay requested. Or if you have questions and want to come up, just uh, hit the request button and we'll let people up. Uh, I just want to uh, talk a little bit more about uh, about the bug that happened today, just for people who weren't here at the beginning that just uh, that would want to hear from you about uh, you know, about what happens. If you could just give a, sorry, if you could just explain it again briefly for people that weren't here at the beginning when we addressed it. Yeah, so very briefly, the TLDR was there was a, um, a edge case happened where somebody did a, a swap to a synth that caused the network to get into this, uh, the, the software basically crashed and every, all the nodes crashed simultaneously, allowed them to not be able to produce another block. Um, it was a small bug, a couple changed line, changed to fix it. The team found the uh, the bug, at least a patch. It's going out right now. It's already been adopted, actually. Um, and now we're just waiting for a Bifrost to um, to get caught up, which should be not too far along. And then we'll, once that happens, we can enable trading. and Everything's back running and healthy again. Awesome. So funds are safe. And if there are pending swaps, there's no action that you need to take, correct? It'll just go through once it runs through all the pending transactions currently in Bifrost. Correct. Awesome. So we, uh, let me start getting some people up for questions here, because I'm sure a lot of people have questions about uh, everything that's going on. There's just like so much 
<laughs> so much stuff happening all the time in, in Thorchard. Let me let me add these people up. Okay, I brought up uh, Queen DC. Can I ask a question? Hello. Hey. Uh, yeah, longtime fan of, of Thorchain here. I just had two two questions. One, um, you know, with the ERC twenty rune, like what what's the best way to kind of like convert that over to Thorchain rune? And then the second question that I had is more on sort of like long term, I guess like maintenance of Thorchain. You know, you guys are adding a lot of chains, so like. Uh, how do you guys kind of like keep up with, um, you know, just like all the upgrades and stuff that's happening on these other chains that you guys are integrating into Thorchain in the long run? Thanks. Sure, I, I can take the first part. Um, so to upgrade from ERC twenty rune uh, to native rune, um, same as we we put out a video with Thorswap on how to do it from BEP2 rune, uh, which you could check out that video. It's essentially the same steps for the one-to-one -one upgrade from, from ERC20 rune. Um, only thing is that you just need to pay um, a, some ETH gas because you're doing an, an Ethereum transaction to do that upgrade. But basically, just um, you can just connect your Ethereum wallet with your ERC20 rune and some ETH uh, to Thorswap, uh, and it'll basically prompt you uh, to do an upgrade and you're basically just doing a send in and then, um, and then, and then the native rune will come back out. Um, sometimes I, I don't know how ERC 20 rune trades compared to native. I'm usually looking at the BEP too, but sometimes there's like a bit of an arbitrage there. So you might want to factor in like what makes the most sense to you. If it makes sense to kind of like trade that out and then swap something else in, um, and then other tax implications that could come up with that. But, but the one-to-one -one is, is the, the simpler way to go. And, um, yeah, you just get the exact same amount of, of native rune uh, back out. You could also do that in um, in Thor Wallet if you happen to be using that. Um, I don't think XDeFi has it built into their uh, wallet yet, um, but I think they were working on that for BEP too. But um, yeah, that's how you do it. Awesome, thanks. So, so Thor Thor Wallet's like the best wallet to use, or like, is there a preference? Uh, it's all personal preference. I mean, Thorwald is a mobile-only app, um, so some people like to use that. Um, I am kind of, I'm kind of partial to Thorswap. I, I mainly use Thorswap. Um, I also like help do the education content for Thorswap, so I'm, you know, a little bit biased in that sense. But they're always kind of on the most, uh, the first with all these new features and, and whatnot. So, uh, and you can plug in with whatever wallet you're already using with Thorswap. There's a huge variety of of wallet options. So if you had Trust Wallet or you had it on a Ledger or MetaMask, um, you or XDeFi. Uh, you know, you might not have to move your funds around uh, to be compatible with Thor, ThorSwap, whereas with ThorWallet, you'd have to either like you know load in your seed phrase or send it over there. So, got it. Okay, thanks. To answer your second question that you asked, um, yeah. So each you're right in the sense that each chain uh, that ThorChain integrates with is has its own kind of entity and its own kind of life and its own um, product roadmap and all that kind of stuff. Some chains are worse than others, like Bitcoin, you know, it doesn't really change very much or very frequently. It's uh, much um, slower moving in that regard. Whereas something like Terra, you know, is making changes all the time and, and it's making all these kind of um, tweaks to its, to its uh, protocol. Um, so I think the intention is that we have, and some Dynamo was talked about this, where we have what we call chain guardians and it's basically our, our, our ambassadors 
people who are you know privy to terror, terror for example, and they you know act as an ambassador of some kind, so that if there's some change being um, proposed on the terror chain or some change happening that could affect uh, Thorchain, then let us you know let the core, core devs know over, over on this side so we can know how to handle it proper, appropriately. Or if there's some sort of event happening, like there was an event a while back where Ethereum kind of split into two, so to speak, with this Geth uh, exploit that was discovered uh, on, on Ethereum. Um, and so it ended up happening, we just get to kind of pause Ethereum for a little while until the kind of the dust uh, settles and, uh, you know, a proper chain path was kind of determined by that community and then, you know, carry on after that point. But there is a kind of like a continuous thing that, with that, that this community kind of has to keep its fingers, you know, on the pulse of uh, every chain that it interfaces with and interacts with, for sure. Yeah, that's super helpful. Are, are you guys like thinking about, um, you know, some sort of like ratio of, oh, you know, if we have, you know, 15 chains, we're going to at least dedicate X number of devs for each chain before we kind of onboard the next one or... Yeah, just trying to get some insight to like how you guys are thinking. Yeah, I mean, I would see it as we're not trying to have the core devs of Thorchain maintain the chain clients for every chain out there. I mean, most a lot of these chains today, um, like for example, Haven, for, for example, uh, they're building the Haven team is building that chain client, and the Haven team is probably going to maintain that client, you know, into the future. And so we don't really have a dev working on the chain client for Haven per se. We have we have some. We're here as advisors. We're here as a support to to those people if they have any questions or concerns or things they're not really not really sure about or needing some custom changes made to Thornode to, to you know. In that case, we need some custom changes made to, to support a chain that's um, that unique in terms of how it's structured, a crypto based chain. But um, my hope is that uh, a lot of these chain clients and it will be you know managed by other people. And other teams that were, you know, keeping their eye on things and letting us know if there's any potential issues or risk. And if it needs to, we can always just uh, dive into the treasure a little bit and kind of hire uh, individuals to kind of be these these chain guardians for each chain and just give them, you know, some room to to kind of keep their eye on things. But I don't think that'll actually happen. Like in the long term, like it'll be such an unfortunately will become such a critical component of like crypto that like everybody in the world will be more or less doing that work, you know, just because it's so fundamental to the industry that everybody will just do it naturally. You know, what do you mean something that we have to do, you know, ourselves uh, like we do have to do now? I think eventually that won't be a problem. Great. Yeah, that's super helpful. Thanks. Cool. Thank you. Uh, Quindichi is up here. Welcome. Hey guys, good morning. I just had a question. I think I, I heard KB and you guys touch on it, but my connection was in and out. I was just curious if you guys know of any centralized exchanges possibly doing upgrades from BEP2 Rune to to native Rune and how this how the supply of BEP2 and ETH Rune, I guess, mixes with native Rune on, on ThorChain. Um, well, I can't really comment on any current centralized exchanges that are looking to uh, integrate with uh, native room. Um, I think it's under kind of lock and key for some obvious reasons. Um, 
but the interactions between the supply, the circling supply, uh, is more or less the same as what it was, you know, yesterday in the, in the context of you burn an ERC twenty or burn BEP two to to mint a native room on the, the native blockchain. And gotcha. just to add, it's only one way. So meaning uh, the non-native uh, supplies are, are only shrinking and the native is only getting more and more majority out of the total 500 million. So it's uh, kind of a one-way street in that way. The BEP2 and ERC20 will just continue to basically uh, dry up over, over time and eventually eventually be uh, a phase-out plan entirely. So, Right, okay. I guess that with that, you know, with, poses the question of where you know centralized exchanges they may have to purchase or or burn their their bep2 or eth rune and in, in order to to keep up with liquidity yeah if, but, if they're long term if centralized exchanges are going to want to have any trade if they want to be able to participate and have any trade volume uh basically over time they'll kind of be it, it, they'll have to have native um eventually so Right. Uh, kind of see it as the only way long term, uh, but but obviously you know for for us you know to, to participate in Thorchain and to use this like you don't need the centralized exchange at all. You can always just you know get any asset that's compatible and just swap it on Thorchain itself. Uh, you know using an inter interface like ThorSwap, XDFi, Thor Wallet, and you know you, all you need is native Bitcoin or BNB or Litecoin or soon Luna or UST and then you can just uh, swap using Thorchain itself straight to native rune. So um, that's kind of the beauty of all this is you really don't need you really don't need the centralized exchange. You really don't need the uh, the BEP two or the ERC twenty starting point. Right. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Hey guys, um, I was just doing a, a test analysis, and um, I was wondering is is the core dev team uh, like are you guys geographically and jurisdictionally uh, diversified? Um, like, like as we head into like the kill switch, like I, like I wouldn't normally ask this, but um, you know, like not all chains are helping skirt uh, international recommendations, right? So, yeah, um, in terms of the core dev team right now, they they are pretty diverse in terms of their geolocations. Um, I'm an American myself. Uh, there are people who are Australians who are. French who are living in uh, Australia, um, yeah, it's Australia, but um, Switzerland, um, and probably some more that I'm just not thinking. But um, I don't think it's much more than two in any particular uh, country. All right, perfect. Um, and the next question was about the uh, the Thor token. Um, I was wondering, uh, does like is it like like is like is it required for the functionality of the network at all? Um, like I know I know like there's there's certain benefits to it if you're using ThorSwap, but um, would the same kind of incentive play like 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 would the same kind of incentives play out if um, like the the end goal is to be the back end of other like DEXs and, and aggregators? Just to clarify, you're talking about the ThorSwap Thor token. Yeah. So that's just the token for the ThorSwap platform. So it's really uh, kind of separate from core ThorChain stuff itself. 
Um, so you definitely don't need Thor in the broader ecosystem. Uh, the kind of the the core thing for for the Thor token would be basically to be able to participate in the upside of usage of Thor Swap. So uh, you know, pretty soon, like Thor stakers will start getting um, fees from transactions that go through Thor Swap. Uh, some of that fee will accrue back to stakers. So it's really like a way to participate in in ThorSwap itself. And then ThorSwap is kind of doing things um, connected with ThorChain, but on, on top of it as well, like all these aggregator features that are coming out. So really Thor is kind of a way to, um, you know, have partial ownership of the adoption of what ThorSwap specifically is building. But no, it's it's not needed to, well, one, it's not needed to use ThorSwap and it's definitely not needed to use uh, ThorChain more broadly. Um, it's, yeah, does that, does that make sense? Yeah, so if the, if the, if the, if the long-term play was the, the, the infrastructure that's being built, um, it, it, you, you, it, the, the, like, it, it wouldn't be as lucrative to invest in, in Thor. Well, uh, first, not financial advice, of course, <laughs> but, um, you know, they're, they're kind of different plays. But, I mean, the core thing we're, we're talking about here is, like, like Rune is definitely the, the core asset. Um, Thor would be a way to kind of take a bet on the Thor swap interfaces success specifically. Um, and, you know, of course, like the market cap is a lot smaller and it's like, you know, so you're kind of betting on uh, you could see it as like a leverage bet on the whole thing at some point, if you think Thor swap is going to continue to lead um, in the ecosystem, but um, you know, it could do its own thing entirely. Like it's definitely not directly correlated to rune um, in any real way i mean the market might correlate it but there's no um kind of direct correlation uh you know thor will depend on the usage of thor swap itself and all of like the aggregator features uh building out on top of it which th there is like you know a lot of, of synergy there of course because the more that the thor swap aggregators are used that's sending transaction volume through thor chain as well so you know it kind of there's there's definitely like a flywheel of, of synergy um going on there um but yeah, I mean, you know, anything could happen between the between the between Rune versus Thor, uh, not directly tied. If I can just say something for a second, uh, the Thor swap team and the Thor chain team are completely separate and uh, not developing the same thing. Thor chain is the infrastructure that facilitates cross chain swaps, and Thor swap is a completely separate team that uses ThorChain to do swaps on their platform. So uh, any, anyone can develop uh, their own DEX on ThorChain, and this is one of those DEXs that was developed by a completely external team that is called ThorSwap and has their own token called Thor, but is not uh, you know, directly affiliated with with. Thor chain itself, which is completely neutral infrastructure that anyone can access and use to do swaps. Yeah, yeah thank I mean, you for clarifying. One, just one other last thing is like, so even when you see like the liquidity pools and the swap fees on Thor swap, uh, what you're seeing is like the core Thor chain pools and, uh, you know, the slippage fee, the on-chain fees, the rune fee, like that stuff is all core Thor chain. Uh, Thor swap as of right now actually doesn't take any fee at all thus far. Uh, but when that does roll out, that that additional very small fee is what would be 
being delivered back to to Thor stakers. So so right now what you're seeing is basically just like a window to be able to use Thorchain and Thorswap is just one of those interfaces. But yeah, absolutely. Sweet thanks. Um uh that clarifies everything for me. Cool, thanks for coming up. Uh sixty dollar finance. Welcome. Yeah, good morning guys. Um <clears throat> I have just Two things, like for the for the previous speakers, like one. Actually, I hope that sex is never gonna gonna change from Bab two to native room because uh, I need to feed my family on that with the, with the arbitrage. So I hope they always keep that on. And second, of all for the for the guy with the first guy was KP who asked about the uh, Tor wallet. Uh, I just want to mention that um, the guys are pretty. Uh, they are great. I mean, there are guys here in Switzerland as well. So shoot out to the Swiss. Uh, Thor, Thor developer, but um, I was I just wanted to mention that with the Thor wallet, you they actually charge you uh, affiliate fees for swapping. So you may <clears throat> keep that in mind if you want to do swaps or trading or something like that. Um, they they charge affiliate fees. So um, I mean I've traded like a couple of things. 10,000 runes on them already and I paid like two or three hundred dollars worth of affiliate fees so you gotta take that in mind the, the app is great the wallet is great but keep that in mind for everybody who's who's thinking about it right. so and I have just two questions uh, very small and <clears throat> first of all are you able to provide liquidity with synths and you already mentioned that uh, yield bearing synths are coming in a couple of weeks iRune was always a little bit separated from the normal yield-bearing synth. Will iRune come at the later stage, or will it be launched with like the all the other yield-bearing synths? Thanks, guys. Uh, well, so yield-bearing synths is probably not going to happen at all. These are the synths that we have today. Instead, there's going to be a yield-bearing derived asset, which is also a synth. I know, very confusing. But uh, it's what it is. Uh, that's not coming out in a few weeks either. That's going to be probably months away, by the way. Um, I think that's... Did I answer your question there? Or is that just, I missed one. Uh, the first one is, can you LP with synths? No, no. You cannot, you cannot LP with synths. It has to be a layer one uh, asset and room. Okay, thanks. Cool. Uh, Mario is up here. And th th that's the last of our queue right now. So if other people have questions, now's the time to request. Uh, hi everybody. Uh, I have a question, and it's kind of a personal a personal question to Chad. Uh, I heard some rumors on Twitter that you're planning on leaving the project once the mainnet is up and running, and that you're gonna work on something else after you're not gonna complete working with the project. I, I just want to know what are your plans, and is there a particular reason why? You're planning to do this? If it's true, I don't even know if it's true. Uh, yes, there is an intention for um, for the for the core team, the original OG kind of core team to. Kind yeah, of for Chad Barra Ford. Yeah, that would be me, I guess. Um, yeah, so my intention on a more personal note is yes, I do plan stepping back from the project uh, at some point in the future. It probably will not be when mainnet actually happens. It'll be at least six months after that, if I had to make a guess. Um, I think I don't think I'll ever really quite leave leave the project. Like I think I might just step down from day to day activities and and that kind of stuff, but still be involved within the community and still be involved uh, advising and maybe doing some like 
uh, code reviews and that kind of stuff. Uh, I might continue to public speak and such as well. Um, I do want to uh, build um, other things. I have a lot of different ideas I want to build that are also need to be constructed. Thorchain was just, you know, one of my first ones, but not necessarily, uh, the, you know, the only one. So there are other hair on fire problems to solve in this space. Um, and I really wanted to, to make sure I, my impact in this place, in this world is as significant as possible. And so um, now that this Thorchain is, you know, more or less built, uh, we still have Thorfy to, to do and lots of other things, of course. But over the time span of the next six to 12 months, um, I think, you know, my involvement will probably start to decrease because I've already kind of given, given um, life to this project to some degree. Um, and I want to move on to other things and build other things that I think are very um, important for to, to exist in the world, to, to, add, to further, you know, benefit and add more value to this, to this place. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. How to... How the project is going to be in a very stable place uh, the moment you will be leaving or will be well, focusing yeah, on other things. I, I'm not, I'm not uh, going to step down from the project unless I feel like it's ready to be stepped down from, of course. Um, I'm not looking to, to kind of YOLO my way out of it. That's not my mentality at all. It's more about you know having making sure the community is, is growing in a way that it's able to maintain these things. And I think Nine Realms is specifically like doing a lot of work in this regard. And so, you know, when the project first started, it was just myself and somebody else who was writing all the code and helped to get it to, you know, launch and all these things. But now there's more developers who are getting involved and more people who are, are, who are participating. And so the, the need for me will, will, will be naturally decrease over time, which is a good thing. So that's what we're, what we're all gunning for. I kind of appreciate the aspect of Satoshi leaving from the project in order for it to... to become fully decentralized, having a central figure is, is kind of problematic. And so I appreciate that what he did is, is leaving the project. And I think I want to follow that example and leave this project at some point when it's safe and responsible to do so. Okay, th thank you, man. I, you kind of gave me another idea of another question that I really want to ask. I'm a, personally a developer. I'm a backend Java developer. And I'm really trying to like, make my first step to becoming a blockchain developer. I don't know from where to start, or I don't know exactly what should I do. I just want to know if you have some advice that you can give in general to how you sh I should approach things or, or the things that I should start by studying or something. Sorry, it's out of yeah, there. I, I would, I mean, it depends on what kind of developer you want to be. To me, there's only really two areas or three. Uh, well, kind of, so it's either one you want to get into the smart contract, smart contracting space, and that can be either the Solidity space or the Cosm Wasm space, or you want to get into like the layer one development, which is what I've been doing, and that's really kind of mostly in the Cosmos world right now. Like that'll change with Polkadot in the in the future at some point as well. But um, I'm a big I'm a, I've been writing Go code, Golang code for a long time much larger longer than i've been a part of this project and so i'm a fan of the language and it's uh, if you don't already know going you should i would recommend picking it up and start building something on the cosmos uh space thanks man i really appreciate it you're welcome awesome uh we have altcoin gems god hello do you have a question altcoin gems god 
just hanging out. Just trying to get people to click on the profile. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, maybe, or maybe having just trouble unmuting or something. Um, Oh, well. (laughs) Pluto. What up? Hey, how's it going? Good, good. Is Chad in here? Yes, I am. Both of them. Sweet, sweet. So look, we got 83 observations on a on a recent Ethereum test transaction that I did. And so that leaves 16 more people who haven't updated yet um, and haven't re-enabled their Bifrost. Um, so I have one node operator that is communicating to me right now, helping him get sorted out. And I think once we sort him out, we'll, we, we've done all we can to help the node operators who have responded. So I think we should be good to enable trading um, after he's sorted. How's that sound? Uh, yeah, I think that's probably the best we can do. Um, the alternative is to not do anything and wait for the remaining, you know, whatever the, was it 12, 16, or the hell the number was. Um, to come online, which might take 12 or 16 hours, depending upon uh, what time in the world, what time zone they live in. So, um, yeah, I think I think we could probably just um, carry on. Cool. Sounds good. How's your morning been, Pluto? Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> Not- putting out fires? Nothing we haven't dealt with before, and it's always on Friday, too. Or at least last time it was on Friday, I think, uh, in November. Um, no, but I think it's. I think this has been like probably the smoothest recovery we've had from a from a network halt yet. I mean, it's only it's only been like eight hours. So I think you know, props to to Chad and everyone who who was on and helping early. I mean, Chad, you've been up for I I have no idea how long now. I I just got up four hours ago. So um, yeah, like props to you guys for finding the, the issue and patching it quickly. And then we kind of just, you know, woke up in, in the US and, you know, picked up the torch and carried it from there. But I think the response is good so far. And, and yeah, like we're going to be up and running in a few, uh, in a few, maybe a few minutes here, depending on depending on what we should probably we should probably talk about it first before we go live, like offline. But um, yeah, I think I think the the network showed up today and everyone you know played their role so appreciate that from everyone yeah thanks and if uh if anyone here is is listening and doesn't already uh follow pluto he's the developer of the uh luna client on doorchain so thanks for all your uh efforts there and for the recovery today thank you I'm gonna drop now, um, but we we get a we'll, we'll we'll give an update soon in the uh, in the Discord. Cool, Sounds cool. good. Thank you, sir. Thanks for the update. I just sent you a message, by the way. Oh, all right, cool. Um, we have Mike Tyson, UST. Hey, Mike. Yo, um, I've been having trouble with the, the XD5 wallet. Has anybody else? Having trouble connecting to door swap via XD5. Getting some type of error where it's just an automatic fail to connect. Uh, your audio got a little funny there, but um, are you trying to do a swap of some kind? Because I don't know if you caught like the updates we were talking about, but things have been uh, on pause for just a, a few hours. So 
um, if it's related to a swap you're trying to do, just hang tight for within probably it sounds like the next couple hours or so. I I literally just saw a ThorChain alert on the Telegram alerts channel that says uh, Bitcoin Cash, BNB, Bitcoin Doge, ETH, and Litecoin trading was resumed. So I don't know what, uh, if that's a thousand percent accurate, but no, the error was uh I've been having it for like at least a week since I've been trying to get onto the ThorChain um, ecosystem. It's just um it's the Terra wallet, Terra Station wallet connects fine to the uh to the app, the web app, um, but the XDFi wallet, it, it never connects. I was just trying oh, to Oh, does it just like immediately kind of say like XDFi failed to connect or something? I I've seen that. Exactly. Uh yeah, so there's a couple things. Um one that you can try is if it's if you have if you don't have all the chains enabled in XDFi that are being attempted to connect to ThorSwap, uh, that can cause it to to fail. Like so, for example, if you don't have the Binance chain enabled in your XDFi, but it's checked on on ThorSwap, then it's going to fail to connect because it doesn't see a, a wallet there. So go into like chain management in the settings of XDFi and just turn on every chain. Um, and then that should fix it. And if not, the other thing to try is to go into the DAP permissions in XDFi and just uh, just clear ThorSwap, like revoke the permission and then uh, do like a hard refresh and then just try again to connect. But between those two, that, that should work. That sounds money. Yeah, I've been looking at Rune since it was at like four bucks trying to figure out how to get the fuck on there and start take, participate in the pooling, but... Yeah, appreciate it. I'll try once I get home. If you have more technical support questions, the best place to always ask is on the uh, the relevant Discord. So either on the ThorSwap Discord or the XT5 Discord. They, they have uh, support teams that are always available. So you can open a ticket in, in those Discords and uh, get one-on-one -on -one technical support. And uh, I mean, uh, it should be obvious to everyone, but don't, you know, don't answer any DMs from, from people that are there trying to help you. Always make sure you're in a dedicated support channel that's official. For sure. Thank you, man. Have a good one. By the way, just a, a public kind of service announcement is uh, I, I know somebody who had a good holding of Rune recently and who had some issue and they got, you know, coaxed into clicking on some link and then put their their private key into this website and then lost their funds. So there's a public service announcement like um, never, there are some fake websites out there that are trying to convince you to, you know, give them your private key and just don't fucking do it. Okay. Uh, you will lose all of your money and that will be a very sad day for you. And there's nothing that I can do or any dev can do for you to recover your funds. So uh, your private key is, is private. It's called private for a reason. Keep it to yourself. Never give it to anybody. Don't give it to me. If I, ask, if I ever, ever ask you for it, don't give it to me. Don't give it to Chad Thoreau. Don't give it to some website. Nobody. Keep it to yourself. Please, 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 please do that. Absolutely. And, and these also could be impersonating people or services. So you might you know, always make sure you're talking to actual, like you're in the official ThorSwap Discord talking to, with a real support ticket, for example. And and even then, if you think you're talking to ThorSwap support, for example, and they're asking you for your seed phrase, you're not talking to ThorSwap support. You're talking to some scammer who is impersonating support. So, you know, there's a lot of that going on uh, just in the crypto industry as a whole, not just specific right here. But um, yeah, never give, no, for no reason ever give up your, your seed phrase. It's 100% a scam. 
Yeah, and people do impersonate people on like on Telegram and stuff. People have used my my face and my name and such to convince people that I'm asking them for their money or something like this, which I have never done nor will I ever do. So please, so please keep your funds safe. Well, uh, Quinnichi is back up. Hey guys, thanks for the mic again. So I just had a question regarding your thinking and strategy behind vetting new chains on integrating them. I know we have after Luna, Haven, Monero, and I think it was Dash or some others that were talked about. Um, so yeah, just going forward, once Luna's completed, kind of what the what the strategy is in terms of bringing on new chains that, you know, because as a token holder, I don't want to see a bunch of just random shit coins on, on the network. Um, maybe some people do, but that's just uh, my take. So curious on on the thinking behind that is uh to me it's all about uh, i mean it's a lot of different things to think to consider um one you can think about the economic value of a particular chain how much value is that in regards right mm -hmm. uh two you can think about the trade volume of that particular chain or asset to see how much value is potentially in that regard you can think about the security of that chain in terms of what are the attack vectors what are the risks that it can that it can pose to authoritarian network. Uh, you want to talk about that community. Are they going to be? Are they going to care at all the fact that you can, you know, enter and exit through a decentralized exchange? Some communities do, like obviously the, the Terra community does, and other communities, you know, haven't had as much of that much of a reaction in this regard. Even though that doesn't make much sense to me. Um, and then also thinking about can we partner with the. The, the, the foundation or the team that's behind that chain or the community influences that are behind that chain to kind of garner uh, liquidity, garner support and get kind of, kind of get a, a symbiosis kind of relationship going on there. Those are the things that I kind of think about when I, when I try to measure the value of adding a new chain. And there's also the idea of like, well, we have an EVM chain, we have UTXO chain, we have a couple of Cosmos chains in, this, in the sense. Um, and then also, do we have you know a, a, maybe a cheap EVM like FTM or Avalanche or whatever? Do we want to start adding Polkadot and and those kinds of things? And it becomes a very very uh, kind of complicated question that the communities come together and they determine what they want to do. Gotcha. Thanks. Uh, last question: When Mainnet is live, when is the uh, the Thorchain Thorchads community meetup celebration? Uh, when when mainnet's happened, we had like a celebration launch launch of mainnet party, whatever. Um, I don't know. It all, it all depends on when mainnet's can actually get to happen, which I don't actually specifically know a date right now. But uh, I'm sure we'll have the very minimum we'll have a Twitter Spaces going. I'm sure. Sweet. We might have to merge the sixty dollar rune and the mainnet party, so we'll have to see about that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we might have to. We might have to. Though. Could come at the same time. Cool, thank you. Uh, we have a nice roundtable. Hey guys, thanks very much. Um, sorry for if there's any background noise. Just a, a quick one. Um, this might it might be technical, might not be. When um, Terra integrates and we have, let's say, a Rune Luna um, LP, could we just give the LP token a name rather than um, most most places when you LP they just call it kind of Rune. Term um, Luna. Why can we just give it a name like Runa or Loon, 
And then can that be traded separately? Potentially, you could even put that LP token as its own token on a Kex or somewhere else. And, you know, you could even play with the 50-50 valuation going to, and people can then arbitrage it and it just gives more volume to both of them. Because it's just I want to know how there can be a synergy between Terra and Dogecoin. Thank you. Yeah, um, there was a, an attempt earlier on in the code to make LP units an actual token on the network that you could then transfer and trade and do other things with, theoretically. Um, that was actually reversed because um, not everybody who's LPing has a Thor address, right? So some of them just, just have a terror address and they're just, just putting up Luna. Therefore, where the hell will we send those coins to, that, of that ownership of that pool? So that kind of added a little bit too much complexity and too, a little too much um, uh, risk in some way because of that. And so we decided not to do that. And also, if you do that, then it becomes uh, a taxable event when you add liquidity to the network, which then kind of complicates the taxation aspects of uh, being an LP on ThorChain. Um, yeah, thanks. That that makes sense now, about especially about the attack. But perhaps just for the user interface, call it Runa or Luna or Loon, something just like as on the website. It doesn't have to be a real token. And last question is, when will um, Haven integrate? Is it next after Terra? Thank you. Real uh, quick on your last point, I mean, a, a, an interface could could do that, right? Like not ThorChain itself. Like if, a, like if hypothetically, if ThorSwap or XDeFi or something wanted to like for fun, like sh display your LP units as Runa or something, like I'm sure that's kind of just like a, front-end UI thing, even if it's not actually tradable. But uh, yeah, nonetheless, I think we all we all know like Runa is the real um, the real apex uh, asset of of all of crypto, and those LP units <laughs> those LP units are are gold. The Rune Rune Luna LP units, and then wait till Thorfi kicks in, and then um, those LP units are really going to be uh, just the best thing to have. You were going to ask another question. I I, I think I might have stepped on your other thing you were mentioning. So I just asked if Haven is the next chain after Terra to be integrated, or is there, is there something else in the middle? Thanks. Uh, probably Gaia or Adam would be the next one after Terra, most likely. Uh, Haven is still in development. Um, it still has quite a ways to go. I don't think it's, it's going to be happening anytime soon, to be honest with you. Um, it does require... It's still being worked on the chain client side itself, um, which I am in constant communication with that with the Haven team to assist them and with them and with that in any way I can. But it also requires a good amount of changes to Thor Node as well, which we haven't even started working on that quite yet. It's just been kind of low priority relative to synthetics and you know, Terra and um, you know, Thor names coming out after that. IBC is coming out pretty soon after this. Um, lots of things happening at once. In other words. Have you guys heard of Luna Huddle on Trader? It's kind of like the LP thing uh, you're talking about, like with LP tokens that are separate. Uh, no, don't know about that. Oh, it's pretty cool. You should check it out uh, on on Trader. It's open source code too, and it has it's like uh, you enter two LP tokens and it wraps them into one token essentially. So you have like one LP token that's containing two. LPs, if that makes sense. It's pretty cool. Sweet. Thank you. Uh, the tax man is also up. 
Hey guys. Um, so just a, a quick question. Um, I was curious, um, how much collaboration there is with, uh, some of the bigger backers of the, the project like Delphi digital and multi-coin capital. I, I, I thought I heard something about how, uh, they might've, um, looked at kind of the, the plans for Thorfi or maybe the, the interface or something like that. But I, I was just wondering, like, are they, do those guys, um, are they helping out on like an ongoing basis as far as like bouncing ideas off them or how do they kind of play into, you know, the Thor chain, like moving forward and, um, you know, the plans for the future and stuff. Like, do they have a, a, a say in what's going on there? Uh, and thanks. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we are, as a team, we are in, in communication with them. Um, there's not a lot of chatter happening back and forth, to be honest, um, until this whole Thorfi thing happened. And so we wanted, before we kind of shopping this idea with the community in a, in a more in a public fashion, we wanted to kind of shop it privately with, with them just to make sure that we, as a team weren't like, uh, missing something or there was some aspect to the design that has some crack or flaw in it that would be problematic, blah, blah, blah. And so before um, uh, shopping it publicly, we wanted to show, show it to them privately and have a couple of kind of, you know, Zoom chats, or whatever, just to kind of go over some aspects to it. Um, and they were very resistant in the beginning uh, when we first heard the, like the general idea of it. And they were like, oh my gosh, it sounds like it's, it sounds like it's going to collapse on itself. Uh, but then as they actually looked into it and read it and understood it, uh, they quickly changed their, their mindset. Um, but uh, yeah, they're great uh, VCs. They're very smart people. They're, they don't come from a mountain on high to like tell us how to do everything, you know, more or less. They're pretty just like they believe in the product. They bought a bunch of coins and that's the vast majority of it right there. <laughs> uh, but they are very smart and brilliant people. And so if we have – some questions or some some kind of want to double check on our thinking on some things or get some advice or insights. They're always there to help as well. So they're very, uh, very valuable partners in many respects. Hey guys, a quick question. Uh, what do you think about the planned obsolescence and what does it actually mean? Uh... Yeah, planned obsolescence is the idea that the, the original kind of OG team starts to phase out of their involvement in the project. Uh, and on the, the rest of the community kind of starts to pick up kind of some of that slack in a sense. Uh, that'll probably happen, I'm hoping to happen this year, towards the end of the year maybe. Um, in my mind, I see it's gonna be probably six months after mainnet happens, whenever that is. Um, when I feel like the, um, that all the major features are out that had months to kind of harden and, you know, uh, fix any bugs that are maybe discovered, like the bug we found today, for, today, for example. Um, and, and then, you know, let the community take it over and own it and, and not to worry about, uh, you know, single individuals who are, you know, Jesus like figures that control all things. Uh, we don't want, we don't want to see that happening. So that's part of the reason why we want to have this plan obsolescence. Is it like everybody is leaving the community or your, all the developers would be leaving after the planned obsolescence? Not all the developers, just like, uh, you know, for the, core for the core platform, probably just one or two. The rest of them, like people like uh, Pluto was up here earlier and, um, you know, other individuals within Nine Realms and also the larger community 
they'll still be around contributing, uh, doing what they do. Um, and they're just going through this process now to kind of um, aid in the core team to kind of uh, learn from the core team certain things and aspects. And so to deepen their understanding of the code base and how it functions and works, because it is a very complex um, code base for sure. And so they're just kind of going through this educational process and also contributing to that, right? Uh, Pluto has been adding, uh, you know, Terra and Doge to the network, for example, and Aerodanus has been working on um, some um, vault nodes or light node things. Orion's been working on monitoring and, and like data analysis. Uh, Ursa has been working on um, on uh, infrastructure and uh, Kubernetes stuff, uh, dashboards, this kind of thing. So it's been really helpful to have the, them around, and we're looking forward to have more people join in and to contribute more to it. And the reliance that the, the project has on myself as an individual or other individuals within the, the kind of the core team uh, is definitely going in the right direction. I'll just add that uh, this question may have come from the recent Coin Bureau video, uh, which a lot of people saw, and he kind of in that video he kind of didn't quite grasp the real meaning of planned obsolescence um i feel uh so w one thing is uh check out donku r's video on youtube uh i went on as well with him and we kind of like uh went over some of the things in that video um it kind of clarified planned obsolescence being one of them but uh yeah, just to add, you know, really planned obsolescence is a positive thing for, for Thorchain as a whole. I mean, it, it's a move towards like unstoppable, um, true decentralization for Thorchain. Uh, so the idea is just for the, the, the few core devs to kind of uh, start to dissociate over time. Uh, but that does not mean like Thorchain won't be worked on by other devs and teams like nine realms and then all the teams that are working on top of Thorchain and around it uh to be contributing and to strengthening it and, and and so on for you know years or decades to come so um yeah ultimately it's uh, i i see it as a positive thing and i think uh maybe maybe renaming uh, planned obsolescence is maybe something to consider because it does seem to uh throw some people off um, i was just thinking that <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, if anyone has ideas for uh, renaming planned obsolescence, uh, you know, shoot them out there. <laughs> yeah, I'm open to, to new ideas. I, I, I'm Community takeover. Attached. I don't know, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think yeah, because I think the the name is like a little little scary, and it's not excessively clear what it means. So we, we could talk about that in the future, though. But uh, yeah, planned yeah. obsolescence is a good thing. On that, um, like Terra, they have uh, I, I forget their exact name, but they just refer to it as like their their Terraform Labs Kill Switch. You know, uh, what do they call it? I don't think it's quite Kill Switch, but it, in their their framing of it, it makes you realize like, oh, that's their way for them to kind of like push the button, blow up the team, and then Terra runs on its own entirely. And that's really what like planned obsolescence is essentially about the same goal. Um, just yeah, we, maybe it could be. Uh, named a little bit in a way that makes that more obvious i saw that video that you had you were on like ragnarok was suggesting that's not a bad not a bad idea what are your oh yeah he he threw out ragnarok uh yeah like i was just thinking uh there's also like the decentralization switch it's it's, it's like a, it's a step away from um the kill switch and i think it's a lot more friendly yeah something like that like for it. sure yeah 
decentral like team uh team decentralization phase out team kill switch i don't know uh definitely something to think about definitely don't have kill in there (laughs) (laughs) fair operation kill odin (laughs) (laughs) there must be something in uh norse mythology where like odin gets taken down by thor hey marty hey guys good uh good space hey i just want to maybe clarify a little bit about the tariff situation there um the kill switch which i don't necessarily know if they use that term but something close to it was about the sec or a whole bunch of people deciding that they had jurisdiction and coming after them and their uh their statement was you know we'll just unplug and either burn or distribute all that we have, you know, to the stakers and be done. That was kind of, it was kind of a exogenous, you know, bad or worst case scenario kind of uh, statement. I think more than a, this is how we extract ourselves kind of situation, but just one man's opinion there. Uh, we have Pasquale. Hi guys, hi everybody. Thank you for the microphone. Uh, I'm going to apologize in advance for the, the question I'm going to ask because it's going to be pretty stupid. I just started learning about our chain uh, yesterday and I'm so excited. I, I can't refrain from asking questions. So I would like to know because I, I don't seem finding anywhere anything about um, potential use of smart contracts on the source chain. So I was wondering if it is in the roadmap, if it's already there and I couldn't find it or it's something which will never be uh, part of source chain. Uh, Chad, would you like to answer this? Sorry, I, I think I think I missed that question. Yes, it's about uh, smart contracts on uh, Thor chain. Will it be integrated? Oh, okay. Good question. Um, my answer, this is my own two cents, and it's not the definitive answer for the project itself, so keep that in mind, um, is that the answer is no. And the reason why that is is because whenever you get to a, a position where you have generic computation on a, on a blockchain, you inherently are kind of inflating the blocks, right? I mean, you're putting more pressure into the blocks. And they, you end up inevitably with the Ethereum situation of where gas is extremely high. And you can argue that you know Solana and Terra and Avalanche and all these other things are like not doing that, but in reality, they actually are doing those things. It's just a different threshold for for for, for scalability, right? So uh, I think the the goal in my mind is that ThorChain um, should be its block space should be dedicated towards liquidity pools and just doing one thing and one thing very well, which is basically uh, a series of DeFi. Uh, um, protocols. Anything outside that context to do any kind of other generic scripting or purpose, just build it somewhere else. That's perfectly, there's lots of places you can do that on. You don't necessarily need it on a cross chain platform like Thorchain. But that being said, there is an exception. And that is the idea that because Thorchain itself is, is chain agnostic in its design, there's no reason why you couldn't actually run a, um, a smart contract on on Ethereum or FTM or whatever, but have access to the liquidity of Thorchain. And so what that would look like is somebody um, 
acquires LP units through adding the grid to a pool, and they transfer those LP units to a smart contract on Ethereum, and then they go to that smart contract and they say, okay, you know, I want to do this, I want to do that, whatever the hell that smart contract does, and then they can exit later on and with either more or less LP units, depending upon how they perform within that contract, whether they were doing derivatives exchanging or they were doing just like gambling. I mean, who knows? Whatever people want to do, they can do. But that would just effectively mean that, that the liquidity of Torchain is available on every blockchain out there, every Cosmo, every Cosmosm, every Solidity contract out there can access that if they wanted to. But they're not actually executing, um, utilizing the block space of Torchain to do so. That's a much more scalable and much more um, uh, interesting design from my perspective. Thank you for answering. I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate the idea of keeping it simple and, and making it work better. Uh, I really appreciate it. I also, I mean, I also think that this obviously is going to limit a lot of potential that could uh, arrive from third parties, like uh, by using a smart contract or uh, tokens uh, created by a smart contract, in the same way Ethereum does. But I, I understand what you're saying. Do it outside and then use uh, source chain mostly for, let's say, exchanging assets. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah, but I also would say though, that, like if you look at smart contracting and and and, and within, especially within the DeFi space, there's only a handful of things that are actually happening, right? There's AMMs, there's lending, there's stable coins, you know, a couple, a few things, and some of these AMMs are designed differently. Some of these lending protocols are designed differently. All these things, and they each have their own value or purpose, or why do you use one over the other and not this one over that one? But in the design of Thorchain, uh, I would argue. That our AM design is probably the best. I just put that out there. Uh, what we are going to be proposing to the community for a stablecoin design, for uh, lending design, all these things, I would again argue it's probably the the best and most innovative design that we that we've seen in the DeFi space in general. I think that the team we have here is quite um, uh, intelligent individuals who are you know not just um, you know coin pumpers in a sense, but rather innovators, people who are actually trying to, to, to do things in the space that nobody's ever done before and completely reshape how we look at DeFi in general. Thorchain's never going to be an NFT platform or a gaming platform or any of these other things. And it doesn't have to be. It's not, it's not trying to, to be the one thing that does all the things. It's more trying to stay focused on doing you know a handful of things very, very well. And if you look at Apple as a company, you can take your kitchen table at home put every product that Apple makes on that table. That's not what you can say for Samsung, right? Or Mitsubishi, where they make more products than I could possibly even count in a thousand different industries. And they're all like mediocre products at best. But every product that Apple makes puts their entire focus and energy into it to innovate and to do something that nobody's really doing in the space, generally speaking, and produce fantastic products that are actually really well designed and put together for you know that community around that. And I see Thorchain becoming somewhat similar to that, in that we don't are not going to be doing a, a thousand different things. There's just going to be a handful of very small amount of things. But the things that we are doing are going to be just that's, are going to reshape the industry as a whole. And not just, you know, uh, redo something that somebody else already did. Of course, of course. Thank you. I, I was never thinking about NFT or something like that. I'm, I was more thinking about ETFs or synthetics that could be traded uh, 
let's say by including negative assets. Uh, right. And so when we when we launch like derivative derived assets like Thor BDC and blah blah blah, and maybe one day we can even do composite assets, meaning assets that are an ETF on DeFi. We might we might do that as a as a project, as a community. Uh, and when that happens, you'll be able to, you know, beam over IBC to some to injective, which is like a derivatives exchange to do derivatives things. So uh, I think part of the I, the only way that that blockchain in general can be successful, at least in my view, is that it maintains fragmented, but fragmented in a way that is that is unified. As, as silly as that kind of sounds, we don't want to get to a place, while it's like like the, the Facebook sense, where Facebook owns like eighty five percent of the fucking social media world, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, or otherwise. And we don't want to get to that place where like a few individuals control it all and can manipulate it all and do all sorts of fucking nonsense. We want to do is we want to keep it kind of fragmented, keep it decentralized, keep it many different people working on many different projects, but have the 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 ability to move and and kind of interact with these things in a universal, smooth, and easy to way easy to use way. That's what we need to kind of be striving for as a community, as a larger crypto community. Thank you for your answer. I'll keep learning about the whole chain and uh, good luck. Thank you, Gay. You're welcome. Cool. Thanks for coming up. Uh, living the dream? Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Yep. Can you hear me? Yep, can hear you. What? Hello. You might not be able to hear us. Sorry about that. <laughs> Call was coming in twice in a row. Can you hear me now? Yep, Perfect. you're good to go. Yeah, you guys may have touched on this, and this information may be readily available, but I was hoping you could shed some light on the ThorFi lending side of things and just try, having a hard time wrapping my head around the, you know, being able to borrow out and then have it be self-paying back when a lot of the coins are not uh, proof of stake and just trying try, try to figure out where that yield and where that's coming from exactly. What are you giving up for that self-paying, you know, leverage? Yeah. Okay. So a couple of things. One is it's the, the lending design that, that the, that the, uh, the core team is kind of proposing to the general community is that it's not a self-paying loan. Like you see on, um, on, uh, I don't know what's it called. Um, Oh, it means the A. Alchemix. 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 Yes. Alchemix. Uh, that was an idea in the earlier days, nothing we were looking to do. And, but I think we found something that was better. Uh, and so you can think of it this way. There's a trade-off here. You can either pr provide a lending platform where the, uh, the debt is paid off by itself, um, like, a, like an Alchemix style kind of thing, or you can provide a lending system where there's no liquidations. And to me, I would prefer the no liquidations, and I'll tell you why that's more valuable. It's because the biggest problem we have with lending today is that it's super fucking stressful. Because whenever you take out a loan in crypto land, uh, you have two risks at, at hand, and they both cost you a lot of money. One is the variable rate interest that can kind of fluctuate from day to day, and all of a sudden it can just balloon up to 30 40% or something like this and just kind of get completely railed by it which that's super stressful. Um, and it's an, un, an undeterministic thing about the, the lending environment that you just have to take that risk and kind of roll the dice, which is not, from an investment perspective, you don't really want to roll dice too much. You know, uh, That's the first problem. 
Second problem is liquidations where the collateral you provide drops in value relative to the debt. And then all of a sudden all you lose all your collateral. Um, that's also super stressful. And so, and that's also a risk of kind of rolling the dice and we're taking a loan. But the, this lending design that, that I think we were, were proposing to the, to the community is that this one has 0% interest rates that are fixed at 0%. So you don't have to worry about interest rates kind of fluctuating on it because it's always going to stay at zero. And the other thing is that it never gets liquidated. So even if the collateral drops below the debt, your, your collateral is still fine. The network is still solvent. All these things are still kind of true. Uh, now you have a mechanism to be able to take out, take out a loan in crypto land without having to worry about what may happen in the future. You will always have access to your liquidity, your, always your, all your collateral, always not worry about getting screwed in interest rates. And that's probably the most safest and the most reliable loan that you could possibly have in the crypto space. And nobody has done that yet, including Alchemix. And so I, I'm more uh, privy to doing something that the space hasn't seen and doing something that the space generally considers to be, you know, mathematically impossible, which is not actually true, by the way. They just lack uh, first principles thinking. Um, yeah, and that's that's why that's it is the way it is. Sure. W- would we be limited to, you know, what we can borrow off of that collateral or there would be no limit on that? Like as far, you know, up to the value. Yeah. So the value is, so that's based on what we call the collateralization ratio. So if you were to hypothetically had a, a 200% collateralization ratio, you put up $200, the network would give you $100 worth of um, USD, $100 worth of stable. Uh, that collateralization ratio increases the more loans are taken out of the network. And so it'll naturally find a kind of equilibrium defined by the free market of what is the correct collateralization ratio for a loan that has these attributes, these specifications. I don't know what that number is going to be. The free market's going to inform me and inform the rest of the community of what is good. Is it 150%? Is it 300%? Is it 10,000%? Like, I have no idea, but we'll all find out together. Sure. Well, and the, and the third risk, you know, that this solves is what we've seen with Anchor several times, especially in May when the chain's overloaded. And even though you have the ability to pay down the loan and you can't, you get liquidated anyways, and there's no way to really prevent it other than paying down way in advance of any, right. uh, you know, loads. So kind of eliminates yeah, that yeah. as well. Yeah. I yeah. remember a friend, a friend of mine got liquidated on Anchor a while back and it wasn't even uh, an appropriate liquidation. There was just some, I think, bug in the um, price oracle that caused Anchor to do like a cascading liquidation event. It was just a, a bug, which I'm, I'm sure they've solved and all that kind of stuff, which is great. But like, even in that case, they didn't even do anything wrong. It's got it is some bug and the whole thing got liquidated and, you know, it's not good. It sucked, right? Yeah, we appreciate the uh, the feedback. Yeah, no worries. Cool, we have two more speakers up here and that'll be the last for today. Uh, CMOC? Yes, hi guys. Hello. So I have a feedback and uh, I do understand that it might be uh, also, like you know, a little bit too much to ask because the Thor swap team is completely different, and I know, like you know, that what Thor chain is, and like you know, it's the core technology uh, under the Thor swap. But uh, like you know, I was noticing the behavior of the user for today that the the trading was halted, and I can see, like you know, most of the exposure of the people to the Thor chain comes from these, you know, the interfaces. 
and I know like, you know, that the, the teams are completely sep separated, but as a feedback and as an observation, I know that the hard fork is coming. And if there is going to be a halting period of time for the network, it, it would be really nice to kind of like, you know, as uh, the feedback, um, like, you know, have the information as a banner or something up there. So the folks that are coming to Thor swap don't get confused that why something is not working or something. Because like, um, I do understand how these things work and I do understand how separate they, they, they are. And I know that is not your deal. Uh, it's not your uh, ki kind of job to tell them to do this. But uh, like, you know, many of these people who are coming to ThorSwap are the Bitcoiners who just like, you know, had it in their wallet and they don't interact with the DeFi. Uh, so they get a little bit like, you know, panicked and uh, as a feedback it would be nice to have some very important like you know and known uh, kind of like you know thing like the hard fork and stuff like you know up there and i do know that discord that the twitter and all of this exists but uh believe it or not for many of the audience that we are attracting um these are not the main channels of the communication so it would be nice to have it there so i just want to like you know to avoid the panic <laughs> Yeah, that's that's great feedback, uh, absolutely. And I know that um, I know for ThorSwap at least, and, and probably for all interfaces, for the hard fork that is planned, uh, that exactly what you described is planned. Meaning, like if you go to ThorSwap at that time, there will definitely be uh, notices, if not just completely just blocking you from even using it um, at, at that time. I don't know if ThorSwap got anything up uh, immediately with this sudden um, unplanned halt, but ideally that would be the case. Um, and also, I just agree generally, um, just, you know, as far as UIs go it, in general, um, and, and ThorSwap is coming out with like a full redesign soon too, but ideally you should be able to show up to ThorSwap, not understand anything about ThorChain, and like the interface should kind of be enough to to allow you to use it, right? Like it should kind of have uh, education and onboarding kind of built into where it just makes sense and you can just use it. Um, similar to like, you know, I mean, there's a lot of dApps like that, that, that might be that way. Um, like I agree with you fully, like the average user doesn't need to understand these things. Like the average user isn't going to, uh, like, like we in this Twitter space are not the average user. Like we're in a Twitter space listening to the developers <laughs> speak. We're on like, we're talking about like how to go into discord and, and get support and stuff like that. But ideally the average user won't have to do any of that, right? Like that has to kind of be abstracted away behind simple interfaces um, and all of that. So yeah, great feedback. Definitely agree. Thank you. Absolutely. And I, uh, thanks, Chad. And I have a question for Chad B for this as well. Like, you know, is there, if it, you know, because I know that, uh, uh, like, you know, the core team is going to, like, you know, kind of, uh, like, you know, phase, phase out, like, you know, from being like, and they don't want to have be, they, they, they don't want to be this central figure. And, uh, like, you know, as a, uh, like, a ideal like future, we're going to have like, you know, a lot of this, you know, the interfaces and there's like, you know, the Thor chain is like, you know, uh, under the hood without knowing that it's the Thor chain. And even like, you know, then it's uh, like a communications like this might be like, you know, a little bit difficult. Uh, maybe like, you know, to have uh, like a built-in, like, you know, the message broadcasting type of um, 
mechanism that um, can be useful for later, even like, you know, when the people don't need to communicate and the network itself, like, you know, says like, you know, the blocks are not being produced or something. Um, well, the network itself can't really do that because it's not, in order to make a, a, some sort of change in state, it needs to pr produce a block. If it's not able to produce a block, it won't be able to change, create a state of change to notify. I mean, there are alerts and monitors set up within the Discord that you can actually look and we saw a bunch of alerts go up, you know, uh, early this morning. So there, it's more, it can't be happening within the network. It has to happen from the outside looking in, looking how, how long it's been since the last block was produced. Right. So you could have though, like the interface teams be looking at some kind of like alert system within discord or some sort of dashboard. And maybe the interface could have some automated thing that like, if network halt like automatically display this message or, or something like that. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Just that I brought, I think like, you know, more than uh, 10 or tw 20 of my friends who just held the Bitcoin for a long time to Thorchain and uh, they all panicked today. Like, you know, because they don't uh, do like, you know, DeFi on daily basis and they were like okay so like you know is this the greatest thing that you said and it, like you know i don't know what's going on and this and i'm like you know this, this is basically like a very very like uh, simple fix and is software and if as long as it's software there is a fix there is uh, problems and none of these are breaking <laughs> but like you know just trying to do my part and uh, have the ones who don't listen to devs on a friday <laughs> Uh, to have a little bit of a peace of mind. That's all. Thank you, guys. Uh, thanks for your feedback. And uh, I also just went on uh, app.thorsoft.finance, and it did have a big banner that said that trading was disabled, although I do think that trading is now re-enabled, it looks like. Uh, I saw some announcements. So, yes. let. Uh, we have uh, one last question from JS. Thanks, uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Um <laughs> I was I was curious about the the yield long term. You know, yield creates sort of the financial foundation for swaps, since and Thorify. And so, when I look at the Thorchain.live visual dashboards, it looks like income and expenses for the protocol right now shows that a large portion of the expenses is due to block rewards. So let me know if I'm mistaken, but I believe most of the block rewards are currently subsidized by the treasury. So my question is, what metric and and threshold, like volume or number of transactions, should we be looking at or monitoring when thinking through when the reserve will flip and become cash flow positive, meaning the block rewards expenses will be outpaced by protocol income? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you can think of it like um, like Bitcoin. Actually, actually, a good example of it because uh, Bitcoin to this day is still vast, vast vast majority of the yield that you get as a miner comes from the block reward rather than the actual transaction fees that it's generating. That always won't be true. It's just uh, Satoshi put that there to create economic incentive for people to mine day one. If he didn't do that, then nobody would have you know swapped and no one would have mined and no one would have, the whole thing would have never worked at all. And so block rewards are generally used as a mechanism to incentivize kind of early early movers in a sense um, over the short, but it should not be used as something to, to, to maintain the value of um, being an LP or mining a chain or whatever in the long term. That's why, uh, partially why at least uh, Bitcoin doesn't have any new, any new block rewards after a certain 
uh, date, certain uh, block height. So, uh, and Thorchain is conceptually similar to this. And so, in the very kind of beginning of it, um, I, I think the last time I looked was about half and half, but half the yield LPs were making um, slash nodes was coming from block reward, and half of it's coming from uh, swaps. And I think that naturally, as more swaps happen on the network, it's not so much a specific number that I would say we're looking to look for. It's more about the number is relative to how big those swaps are relative to how big, how deep the, the uh, um, pools are. So um, we'll see where it is over the, over the long term, but in the short, I don't expect this to change anytime soon. But I think um, if Thorchain becomes the thing that I'm hoping it becomes, which is just the number one cryptocurrency exchange on the entire planet, bar none, in terms of trade volume, um, then you know it'll make huge amount of yield uh, for everybody. So it's also there's also a couple clarifications there. Uh, first, it's the black rewards come from the reserve, not the treasury. Uh, second is that the node operators have complete control over the emission schedule, and every single block then the rewards decrease, which means uh, that it, it decreases at a slower rate for every block. So while emissions are faster now, they slowly become slower and kind of asymptote, uh, you know, on, on the lower end of it towards like a, uh, on a longer time frame. But nodes are, have complete control over the reserve emissions rate. So all it takes is a majority of nodes to vote a, a certain way to completely change uh, the emissions from the reserve to LPs and also to nodes. Got it. Thank you. Cool. Great question. Two o'clock. So I think that's uh, that, that's it for today. But thank you, everyone, for coming on. It looks like trading is resumed. So we're back to business as usual, getting ready for Hard Fork next week, Tower Launch after that. And uh, things are looking great for ThorChain. Yeah, such an exciting time. Uh, just everything really coming into place. Uh, thanks, Chad B., for the time, all the updates, uh, for probably having an early morning, uh, fixing all, a lot of this stuff that went down and, um, anyone still here like live, if you're hopped in late, these are recorded too. So just, uh, you can pop back to where the space was posted and catch the recording immediately. Uh, and they're also posted on the rune base podcast permanently. And we do this every Friday, uh, 12 Eastern. So yeah. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Sweet.